Hi and welcome to your weekly edition of Short Takes and Updates with two sustainability-focused consultants. I'm JJ Walsh based in Hiroshima, Japan, and I meet every week and have this 30-minute chat with Tova Kinooka, who's based in Tokyo. And we give you some of our recent events, news, articles, and things that have been on our radar. And because this is December, we also have some great sustainability-focused shopping tips for you from Japan. So I hope you enjoy. And I'm here in, uh, I'm usually in Yokohama, but today I'm coming to you live from uh, Tokyo Big Site out near Odaiba, um, right in the center of Tokyo, um, where I'm here for the Echo Pro uh, conference. Yeah, and you're going to tell us all about the Echo Pro. What is it in a minute? Um, but this is our new, and I think this is the third time we've done this sub series. Um, short takes and updates talking about sustainability in Japan. And this uh, Echo Pro event is a great example of something that, that you're doing in Tokyo. Can you tell us a little bit about it, Tova? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the event runs for three days. Um, it's at Tokyo Big Site, which is one of the biggest venues in Tokyo. It's huge. Um, and you know, having looked at the uh, the map of the event, so thanks for putting that up there, JJ. It's there's so much going on, but you've got sort of four key areas really. So the first one is around business, as you can see there, revitalizing business. Um, so it's really nice to see the you know, that revitalizing, regeneration words been using rather than just sustainability. It's going beyond that now. And the idea is that it's a place for companies to come together. We've got everything from very small businesses through to the great big multinationals showcasing what they're doing. So showing us um, eco-friendly products and technologies, um, innovative new ideas. Hopefully we're going to see some really exciting stuff. So I'll be taking plenty of, of pictures to share next week. Um, and it's also a chance for you know, businesses to talk to each other, to, to spark off potential collaborations and stuff like that. Um, there are going to be seminars, uh, sort of workshops, speakers as well from different organizations. Um, we've also got MPOs and things here as well. So it's great. It's not just business. So it's really important to, to look at how we can bring these se different sectors together. Um, for potential collaboration um, and they've also invited uh, kids elementary and uh, junior high school and high school kids um, to come and, and have their say and to see what's going on as well so uh, really nice combination yeah to that's see good I, I see that in the in the poster that inviting children who are responsible for the next generation yeah. um, proposing lifestyle changes implementing project exhibitions and seminars and revitalizing business like you said mm -hmm. yeah looks yeah. great uh, you'll have to tell us more about it next week after you've been in there all day yes yes <laughs> you haven't day, actually been one. in yet right no yeah. so it opens at 10 and i was hoping i might be able to get in and live stream from inside but uh, as you can see that the people just streaming in behind me um, yeah. and i think the registration process is going to take a little while so i thought it's safer to find a spot first and yeah. uh, i'll be able to update more next week yeah no worries uh for my update i am doing the first of monthly events leading up to our collaborative event in march 
Uh, it's Seeking Sustainability Online and in Person from Hiroshima today. We're going to have lots of great uh, vegan plant-based snacks to eat. Ooh, so nice. I'm, I, my whole kitchen is filled with beautiful smells as I make a lot of <laughs> snacks today. And uh, collaborating with another woman who's going to help translate, but she's also a great chef. So we're going to both have Fantastic. snacks at the event today. Um, but it's we're going to start with like an SDG type seminar, but keep it very interactive. Mm -hmm. So we really want to not be like telling people you need to be like this, you know, and top down. We really want a discussion about what is possible in people's lives because it sustainability in terms of lifestyle or work is such a case by case thing. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think each of us has our successes and hurdles depending on our own situations, right? Exactly, exactly. And it's really interesting to, to hear you, well, really good to hear you talking about making it interactive and not just, as you say, sort of coming in and saying to people, this is what you should be doing. Because I think, you know, that, that's been a mistake, I think, maybe governments, organizations, local governments and stuff have done in the past, right? And just said, oh, now you need to do this. And people will push back against that. It's not, you know, it's annoying being told suddenly you have to do things differently and what you were doing was not not good or, you know, not good enough. Um, yeah. And it actually People will up. either mm. push back or just give up, yeah. you know? Exactly. And I think, mm. I think trying to be positive and trying mm -hmm. to have fun with it yeah. is really important right and and say you know i know it's so difficult it's yeah. so difficult for me you know yes. even someone who's so obsessed with sustainability yeah. <laughs> and um, but there are yet. better options yeah. and here are some ideas and yeah. tell me your ideas let's share like exactly. everybody can really help each other i think yeah i think that collaborative approach is really the key to you know, tackling any of the sustainability issues we're talking about. And it's come up a few times in different contexts for me this last week. So on uh, Thursday last week, I had the great pleasure of um, being asked to facilitate or present at and then sort of moderate a roundtable discussion with the Nordic networks. So we had um, five countries, Nordic countries represented. We had the ambassadors, we had the, the heads of their um, chambers of commerce. And, uh, you know, the, the Nordic countries are really far ahead on a lot of areas of this. They're not perfect by any means, but very far ahead on a lot of things. And if you look at the, you know, the SDGs index, for example, you know, Finland's number one, I think Sweden's number two, you know, they're, they're way up there, all in the top 10. Um, and they were talking about, okay, how can they help Japan? You know, they've got some things that are working really well back in you know the nordic countries what can they bring to the conversation here with their, uh, their business partners their potential customers and stuff and and help move the conversation forward here but one of the things that came up was we have to be so careful how you approach this you can't just come in and say well this is how we did it and you know change and follow us and uh, you know that that's not going to go down well so we're really looking at how they can create a, a collaborative approach with organizations here to to co-create locally appropriate solutions right it's not just importing ideas from one place to another they, they need to be adapted and made um you know attractive but also yeah. you know relevant and appropriate for, for definitely the situation definitely here. And even within Japan, like when I work with people in different areas, different kinds of businesses, you realize 
how you need a different approach for every single different situation. Absolutely, yeah. You know, so sometimes people like from the National Tourist Organization ask me for advice about a national sustainable tourism plan. And I was like, actually, you really need to look like area by area. And I'm sorry to say that. It's not the answer you want, but it is really case by case. Exactly. I mean, all if you look at the diversity of you know, environments in Japan, it's huge, right? I mean, this country is really, really long. You've got Hokkaido at the top, which is, you know, temperate and really sort of deep snow and stuff in the winter. You've got Okinawa, which is pretty much tropical. I mean, it's it's totally different environments and economic situations as well. So, yeah, so true. But there, I mean, there are better options, I think, for most of us, you know, in our mm-hmm. daily lives, in our work. So there there are some tried and true, I think, solutions that we, we could offer people as um, ideas for sure. Yeah. Um, one of one of the before we talk about uh, the garbage and reuse idea mm. that you want to talk about, I just want to give one more holiday shopping tip. Ooh, so sustainable mm-hmm. shopping from Japan. Yeah. And I came across this one is a really great idea. The company is called Plasticity. Have you heard of this? No, I Tova? haven't. Tell me more. It's no? a Tokyo, Tokyo-based company, and what they're doing—they're making these cool, um, fashionable items, which are made mm-hmm. of plastic. But it's not new plastic; it's reused umbrella plastic. Fantastic. So. Every time there's a big rainstorm in Japan, you have a lot of the single people use them like single use. Yeah. The yeah. plastic mm. umbrellas because they just need one. They forgot to bring their own. Mm-hmm. Right. But quite often they end up in the garbage um, dumps right. all around the stations. Exactly. Yeah. So this this company decided, well, we're going to reuse that plastic, make it into waterproof bags and wallets and Mm -hmm. and hats and things that look kind of cool but reusing the material and i thought that was really cool plus that's brilliant yeah because you see so many of those sort of abandoned around the stations and well they blow inside out in the wind and then you can't really use them again they they break right but the plastic yeah 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 really great idea Mm. um now you wanted to talk about garbage and reuse and repair and you had a story from your friend, right? Yeah, so the, these photos are courtesy of my friend Kerry Chrome. Um, so she is living in Tokyo with her two children, her husband, and her daughter had a school project. Um, and on the right, you can see the project she created, the Metal World here. So really beautiful um, project that she came up with, you know, really creative. And that's wonderful to see kids getting involved in these, you know, really creative hands-on projects and thinking and talking about, you know, different materials, how they're using it. But what happens to it afterwards? So a lot of the materials used in the projects are um, already uh, sort of rubbish items, garbage items, right? They'd brought in from home and things. Great, no problem. Those things perhaps could have been recycled, things like milk cartons and stuff like that, when they were in their sort of original state. But once they get start in using them for these projects and things, they're covered in spray paint, there's tape, there's glue, they're no longer recyclable at that point. Um, you know, they're too contaminated. And she, dismantling this project, she ended up with 45 liters of rubbish. Um, and she said there are 60 kids doing this project. And that's just one school and one project. And so you times that by 60. I mean, I, I don't do numbers, but I know that's an awful lot. 
Um, and you, it just makes you think, you know, a lot of the schools are doing really good um, projects and, uh, you know, talking about SDGs, which is fantastic. I mean, both my kids have come home from school with SDG-related, you know, leaflets and, and things like this. They've had people come and talk about it. They're having these conversations and then this is happening. And you think, okay, well, th there's a gap here. What's going on? Um, you know, it, it's wonderful that they're bringing awareness up. Um, it's wonderful that they're using, you know, recycled items or recycling items to do these projects but if they're then creating a lot of waste which is problematic and can't be recycled then that's surely you know goes against everything that they're they're trying to talk about so just wondering you know what what's your experience of that have you seen anything similar going on or you know, that is a really good point. And I think a lot of parents out there uh, will definitely have very similar situations. Mm -hmm. I remember a lot of the public Japanese elementary school projects were using like milk cartons yep. mm -hmm. and, and things which are normally re recycled in some way, yes. like at the supermarkets. Mm -hmm. But you're right. If you're adding googly eyes or glue or glitter, <sighs> you know, you're mm. going to have to separate everything again and put it into different garbage containers. And you won't be able to recycle yeah. those uh, like containers mm. as usual because they're covered in glue and stuff, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And it was interesting you mentioned glitter there because that was, um, you know, the, the original post that Kerry had done uh, that I noticed was she was talking about this wonderful um, new product that's uh, biodegradable glitter. So it, it's bio-based. It's made from um, plant uh, structures, I think. Um, but it's really pretty. It looks just as good as the traditional glitter. But of course, traditional glitter that we all love to, you know, grew up with and had all over our school projects and you see it all over so many Christmassy things. It's microplastics that's going, you know, straight out into the water systems, into the soil and causing absolute havoc. Um, so we, I know several big retailers in the UK have now stopped using that. Um, uh, no, I think Tesco, massive supermarket, has said that it's not using glitter anymore in any of its products. Um, and I think that's, you know, going to be a trend we're going to see more and more, and hopefully here in Japan as well. Um, but there are alternatives out there. So it's wonderful to see things like this being developed and hopefully we'll be able to, you know, buy that and use it um, so that we can still have the fun and the creativity um, and the sparkles, but without the, the negative impact. Yeah, definitely. I I often think that like when you see the, the countdown events or something on TV and all the glitter and all the ticker tape, coming down yeah. and so much of it is glittery or plasticky mm. and you're like oh no where is that going you exactly. know is it going into the waterway like yeah can we make yeah. it make sure it's biodegradable like so if it does get into the rivers and oceans that it, it doesn't cause harm and come back exactly. into our own bodies right yeah, That's yeah, part of the problem. yeah, very much so. Because it's not just the waterways, is it? Because I was reading um, an article somebody posted on LinkedIn yesterday talking about soil as well and the fact that, um, you know, that there are so many microplastics because so much plastic is used in farming. And in, if you look around the fields, um, you know, near us, uh, you see these beautiful, neat rows of, of vegetables being grown but they're all covered in sheets of plastic um, to, to keep them warm during the colder months and keep them, you know, uh, protect them from pests and stuff. But then eventually that breaks down and you're getting microplastics in the soil, into the food system, 
and therefore into us. Not a good, not a good thing. No, no, no. And one of the biggest surprising things about how plastics is getting into the soil was about the concentration of plastic in salt, table salt. Wow. Even okay. if you're getting your salt from the Himalayas, like, you mm -hmm. know, the pink salt, the beautiful yeah. Himalaya salt still has plastic in it. So it is from the highest mountains to the deepest part of the ocean. We have covered yeah. our world in plastic mm -hmm. and now it's going into our bodies at the rate of a credit card size piece of plastic That's per right. week or something. Yeah. 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 I can't remember and what the exact we was, don't know what's going to happen, right? Well, With exactly. it accumulating. So, yeah, yeah. this is the, the long-term consequences. It's, it's not going to be a good thing. No. I don't think. <laughs> no. <laughs> plastic's not meant to be inside, I don't think. No, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. 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 So, the yeah. the less plastic into the environment, the better, right? And and we so can do that by making choices about what we buy and we can do that by asking vendors and asking yeah. our government to please use less plastic packaging yeah. before it even gets to our stores, right? Absolutely. But I think the more, I mean, we can ask, we can ask government, we can ask, um, you know, retailers when we go in and buy our, our products. But I think also, I mean, we can just make conscious choices if we're not buying things which are covered in plastic. Um, if we're bringing our own bags to put things in and not using the plastic bags that are, are there. Um, you know, that, that's going to start to to put pressure on um, the retailers, I think, and make them rethink how they um, present the products, how they yeah. sell them. Absolutely. And this is go back to the case by case example. Uh, we noticed my family eats a lot of bread. Um, the single is like one little small loaf has a plastic mm -hmm. bag every time. So I have started making my own bread more, which is yeah. more healthy, mm -hmm. but also it reduces all the plastic bags. Mm -hmm. So just having an honest look at your yes. own use, right? And then yeah. realizing what can I do to reduce that plastic just a little bit, you know? Yes, absolutely. And then well, buying these massive bags of flour from Costco, which is in a paper bag, you know? So yeah, you yeah. buy bulk, but often it's in a better container, you know, yes. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, those small choices all add up, right? And and can really make a difference to your overall footprint. And actually, you mentioning bread really makes me uh, think of something I was listening to the other day, a uh, um, webinar on uh, food systems, um, and it had speakers from all over the world talking about different sort of issues in different parts of the food systems. And one of the issues they were talking about was something we've mentioned before here, which was food waste, food lost, uh, loss. And um, it really got me thinking, in Japan, when you buy bread, um, you know, particularly the sliced bread that's really, really popular here, it never has the crusts on. So where, what happens to those crusts? Because I know, you know, we, we make bread at home as well. We've got one of those bread <laughs> machines, had it for years. And the best thing is the smell when it's just about ready, right? It's just yeah. wonderful. Um, dangerous because you end up eating far too much bread. But, um, but my husband, I mean, he's Japanese, he, he's here, he never eats the crusts. He, he'll cut yeah. off the crust and leave it sort of in the, the container and then he eats the rest of the loaf. And I, I eat the crusts because I always think, yeah. well, they're just going to get left otherwise. You, really you can kind of train yourself to like the crust, like I a mental, them. you do a mental trick, like, oh, the crust. 
yay, you know? And then your kids start going, oh, I want the crust, you know, because you're excited about it too. Um, But one one thing about making bread too is Mm. I'm trying all these new recipes. I went to a miso factory in Hiroshima and she told Mm -hmm. me she puts miso in her bread recipe. And I got some beautiful yuzu miso because I went to an organic yuzu farm yesterday. And I'm trying bread rolls made with yuzu miso. So (gasps) citrus and miso as one of the ingredients, I bet it's going to be good. I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Can you share the recipe? That sounds amazing. (laughs) Yes, 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 of course. So tell Um, us more about this um, yuzu farm. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, it was great. I don't have any pictures to share this time. I'll try to get some up by next time. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was absolutely amazing. So yuzu is uh, kind of citrus, very, very famous from the Shikoku area usually. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize we had in Hiroshima area as well. And it's an organic yuzu farm. And so one of the most exciting things about it is the farmer was saying, when you pick it off, just try bite into one because it's organic. You can eat the peel. Oh, wow. And I was nice. like, this is going to be crazy bitter and sour. But it was actually, it was really good. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. amazing. So it was a really nice experience. And because it's organic, you can just pick it off the tree and eat it. Isn't that yeah. great? Yeah, that's brilliant. That's as it should be, right? Yeah. I, I have another mm-hmm. uh, sustainable shopping tip for, yep. especially for the holidays. Um, have you heard of Nozomi Project? I, yes, I think I have that. That uh, have heard of that. That's the ceramics, right? That they yes. So it's a it's a beautiful. Uh, project that started after the 2011 disaster in the Tohoku area. Mm-hmm. And uh, their slogan, you can see on the bottom of the screen here, is called Beauty in Brokenness. That's and beautiful. what a beautiful slogan. Mm-hmm. So they, the uh, uh, founder was an American woman who came over to the area to volunteer to try to help. And she got together a bunch of women in the area and they started collecting these pieces of pottery from the beaches and then reutilizing the broken pieces of pottery into jewelry and ornaments and things. And it's just such a beautiful idea. Yeah, It's very yeah. simple, but it's very beautiful and very unique. Yes. Like you could never buy anything like this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just no, gorgeous really wonderful idea and you know wonderful in sort of community based project as well yeah uh we've had a comment from kyle on youtube thanks kyle he says i had an apple wrapped with plastic wrap at a holiday inn in the u.s recently wow wow (laughs) never seen a single apple in plastic before yeah that sounds very like we experience in japan all the time right yes single apples single bananas (laughs) anything wrapped in plastic yeah and then one Mm. other challenge here is because we now have the charge for the plastic shopping bags but if you buy sometimes the fruit is is loose so you Mm -hmm. can buy it and put it in your basket and then you're going to use your own shopping bag at the other end but quite often the supermarket will put it in another free little supermarket shopping plastic bag and you have to be quick to say no thank you no, thank you. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I watch them like a hawk always when we're going through the registration bit. And you just, like you say, you have to be really quick to say, no, 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 please, just as it is. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um, some of them are getting better now. I've been impressed with um, Eon recently, uh, where I do my sort of main grocery shopping. Um, they're, they're really making big efforts on this. And um, I've noticed now, you know, I put, I put all the loose fruit and veg in my basket and and before like you say it would always be that they'd then reach for the little plastic bags to put it in as they were putting it through now they they don't seem to do that most of the the people recently haven't tried to um and i haven't had to say anything which has been really you know a great change to see so i hope that that's you know indicative of uh, a broader shift yeah i think the more you go to the same shops they get used to you and they're like True. mentally this is the one that doesn't <laughs> like the plastic bags i'm not gonna do it like yeah. like even i guess for anything kind of wet so uh, we mm. often buy tofu and even though the tofu is in a plastic container just in case it might leak they put yeah. it in another plastic bag you know right. so again no no i'm good and that's okay yeah that's okay. yeah Oh, exactly. Well, I mean, my husband had big issues around this, would always come home with it in the little plastic bag. So I started sending him with uh, with plastic Ziploc bags that we oh, have at home. Good. Like, because at least those you can reuse many times. It's like when you put in your, your you know, shopping bag that you now have to take, which is great, into, you know, before you go shopping, just stick a couple of, um, you know, uh, Ziploc bags in there that you can reuse again and again and again for anything that's wet or might leak. So uh, I think that's... Yeah gets around that issue took a little that's while a to really, train them up but that's a really good tip and it, recently i've been trying to take small containers with me because okay. i i sometimes do happen upon like a zero waste shop and i want to support mm. them and i want to try but you need your own container that's right so my my bag of things that i want to take to be echo and to be sustainable is getting bigger and bigger. I'm gonna have to like take a backpack every time, but most of them are empty containers, like yeah. empty Echo shopping bags, empty containers, empty coffee mug, yeah. empty mm -hmm. water bottle in case, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about you? What do you always pack in your bag? Um, so there's always this, my, my Mizu bottle. Um, so that goes everywhere with me. Um, again, the, the shopping bags I've got. Um, and I bought years ago in New Zealand some little um, nets, net bags that you can use for fruit and vegetables. That's what they're designed for and they, you can easily wash them if you need to. Um, so I've usually got one of those. I haven't got it today because I'm at a conference and I'm not going near a, a shop. But um, I usually have at least one of those tucked in the corner and it's tiny and really light. Um, do, you, means... do you carry your own utensils, like my hashi or my fork, my spoon? Yes, normally I do. Um, today, again, because I'm out and about for, for this specific thing, I don't have it. But um, again, there, there are some really great options out there now. And Japan's really good at this, right? You've got all these wonderful bento sets and things with little containers, beautifully sort of neat that fit together and, and don't take up much space. And you can get ones that are kind of chops. I've got ones that are you can put different ends on them right so the base oh, yeah. stick then you can add the chopstick end on it um or things like this uh you know or a spoon or a fork so it, it's really versatile and these things are out there it's just about kind of training ourselves to get into habits 
Yeah, definitely. Um, if you're if you're in need of some of this gear, um, of course, a lot of the department stores in Japan yes. have beautiful bento sets, but mm -hmm. also Patagonia. If you find yeah. your way into a Patagonia shop, because they have like a camping version, mm -hmm. um, which is very light and easy to carry. And I really like using their spork. Ah, right. So yes. it's like a spoon, spoon fork, fork combo. Mm -hmm. And then you can basically eat anything from ice cream to jelly to like dessert. You can eat anything, yeah. including salads or things you might use hashi for. You could mm. use the spork. So if you've only got room for one small thing, yeah. the spork the spork is my go-to. Brilliant. Oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah, Patagonia's got some great little bits and pieces like that that, you know, don't take up a lot of space. And I think you can keep yourself out and and make a difference, not have to use all those um, single-use things that are everywhere otherwise. Definitely. And Patagonia mm. is, hold up your bottle again, Tova, connected yep. to Maimizu. So mm -hmm. if you go into any Patagonia shop around Japan, you can fill up your bottle, your own water bottle, with clean, wonderful drinking water for free. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a great service that absolutely doing, right? well the my music the whole concept right is that you know they, they've got uh yes they have these beautiful bottles but they've also got the app that's the main thing where i mean it's a free app to download you go on and then at the moment it's mostly in japan but they're starting to add quite a few places in other countries now um as as users add more information and sort of help them build it out um but they, they've got thousands of water refill spots um, marked on it. So, I mean, the number of times I've been out and about, particularly somewhere unfamiliar, want to fill my water up, bottle up, and I can just look up the app and it just tells me, okay, you can refill over here or over there. So it's got all the public places marked um, where you can refill. And of course, public you know, uh, bathrooms and stuff here, the drinking water is absolutely fine. Um, and you know, places in parks, taps that you can use and things. But also, as you said, you know, a lot of um, businesses and, and cafes and things as well have also um, signed on and become members of the sort of Maimizu community. So it tells you the nearest one. You can pop in and fill your water bottle. It's great. It's a great service. Mm. And uh, people often say to me, why don't you just use the water fountain in the park? I, I would love to. But mm. they're sometimes really hard to find. So yes. that's why the MyMizu app is really useful. Mm. Um, it helps you find those tiny little community parks, which has a yes. water fountain in it, right? Yeah. Which often yeah. it's really difficult to find one, I yeah. think. Yeah, unless you know the area really well. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great app. Exactly. Well, I think that is our time, Tova. Go okay. and enjoy this awesome event Thank that you're you. at today. Thank you, and, uh, and I'll look will, forward to telling you more next yeah, week. Yeah, and we'll reconnect next week and hear a little bit about it. Super. All right. Thank you. All right. Have a Thanks great so day. much. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Have a great day. Take care. Bye. Bye.